Good morning. There we, oh, gosh. <laughs> that was a little loud there. Huh? You ever have those moments of regret? Just wondering. I just had that with Ryan up here. It's like, man, <laughs> should have never handed him the mic. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Ryan. <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing? Happy Mother's Day. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I am Pastor Tim. It's always a great privilege uh, to preach the word to you guys. Um, it's a great honor to just be a part of this body in Fernley. We get to see God's kingdom grow in awesome ways. Uh, just as Ryan was talking about, uh, we have baptisms coming up again. Um, I mean, that is something that we can truly celebrate. Um, but not only that, just worship the living God, that God is moving in such extraordinary ways in this city um, and in this church that people are coming to know who Jesus is. And remember in scripture, it says, all of heaven rejoices over one sinner saved. So just imagine the heavens roaring as people come into the understanding and the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. So let's just celebrate that. That's awesome. Um, I think Pat kind of talked about this, uh, about this earlier today uh, in the beginning of service that uh, next week is our last week going to be broadcasting online live. And the reason why is that as a church, uh, we are uh, looking out for our, your guys' spiritual health. And when we are in isolation for long periods of time or alone, um, our souls dramatically decay. And so what we want to do and we'll, as a church, we want to be a beacon of light that we belong in the family and we belong with each other. And not saying there might be uh, some of you guys out there that are still um, possibly in fear of the COVID-19 vaccine or that vaccine, the zombie vaccine, I don't know, whatever, um, <laughs> uh, COVID-19, or um, maybe not even able to come into church. Um, I, so I just want to let you know that there is those, the opportunity to still watch the service. It's going to be broadcast um, on Wednesday, but it still doesn't, um, it doesn't replace the meeting together, the communion of the body, uh, people coming to worship the living God together. So I want to encourage you guys, uh, encourage all of you guys here today and encourage you guys online that we miss you, we love you, um, and that there's a place here at this church for you. So again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I love you guys. I love mothers. I have a mother. <laughs> Hopefully most of you guys do, right? Pretty much. Um, <laughs> But, you know, this morning, we're taking a break. Uh, we're taking a break from the book of Mark. I know Ryan was saying we were in Mark, so, like I said, regret. I know, there's that regret coming back in. No, we're taking a break from Mark, and we're going to focus on uh, John and how John is telling the story of what happened to Jesus on the cross. And my hope this morning is that we would have the ears to hear what John has to say this morning. Not only that we would hear the word of God talk to us, but that the word of God would penetrate our hearts, sink down, and we would turn to an understanding of who Jesus is and his love uh, for us. Amen, church? All right, church, let's open up to the book of John, uh, chapter 19 through 25, uh, uh, verse 25 through 30. And when I'm done reading this, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. I'm going to ask you guys to respond. Thanks be to God. Simply acknowledging the truth and wonder that we stand, um, we stand behind the written word of God that God has spoken to us in this beautiful, awesome way. So uh, we're going to be on page, for, in the Bibles around the room, we're going to be on page 851. Hopefully I did that right. 851. 
And I'm going to please ask you guys to stand for the reading of God's word. John chapter 19, verse 25 uh, through 30. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of uh, Clopas, and uh, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took uh, her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine uh, stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just, um, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this story here, Jesus on the cross. Um, Lord, we thank you for mothers. We thank you for their nurturing nature, their caring and tenderness. Um, Lord, you created them in such a a way um, that mothers are unique, that mothers are display a true character of who you are in your glorious love and joy. Now you look upon your children with such love and grace, Lord. So Lord, as we dive into this word, I pray that your words would speak through me, that the Holy Spirit would be present in such a way that we would not just hear these words, but we would receive these words and these words would plant a seed inside of every one of our hearts that grows into a big fruit and that we would be able to express and share the love of who you are, Lord. So Lord, we praise your name and all might and all power and all glory. We say all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Or let's pray. You guys can sit. I want to just keep going. Is that okay? A lot of coffee this morning. All right, well, church, you know, Mother's Day brings about a lot of different emotions. Um, It can bring joy. It can bring pain. It can bring up loss. And it also can bring up sadness. Now, I think some of us in this room um, may have never met their mother. Maybe some of us in this room were abandoned by their mother. Maybe some of us in this room has a broken, fractured relationship with their mom. And this fractured relationship could bring back or bring about a numbness. Mother's Day for some can bring about pain and loss. Maybe if you're a mother in this room, um, maybe you've lost a mother. Maybe 
this day reminds you that you miss your mother. Maybe you are an expecting mother and miscarriage happened and you do have to deal with Mother's Day with this loss and pain. Maybe Mother's Day just brings back emotions of despair. Maybe you're a mom that has had to bury their child. And Mother's Day just brings you back to this extreme pain of loss. Maybe Mother's Day reminds you that your children have grown and all but left the house and you yearn for days when they were young again. You see, Mother's Day brings about many emotions. It brings about a joy. It brings about an expectation of a family. Mother's Day brings about loss, pain, and sometimes suffering. And my hope uh, this morning for every single one of us, not just mothers in the room, but for every one of us, is that you be encouraged today by Jesus Christ's love. That you be encouraged today by the sacrifice we see with Christ on the cross this morning. And if you're a mother or a mother-to-be or, or a mother of a child, or if you're a mother in mourning, my big idea today is, for, is this. It might feel like loss, but our hope is at the cross. It may feel like loss, but our hope is at the cross. See, let's dive into this text as we unfold this, the reality of what God has to say for mothers today and for every single one of us. It says in verse 25, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Calpus, and Mary Magdalene. So here we have this story that opens up of three uh, mothers and Mary Magdalene standing by the cross, watching the events of the brutal persecution of Jesus. So I was praying this week just about this one part of this text going, I wonder what Mary was uh, experiencing. The Virgin Mary, Jesus' mother, what was she experiencing? Watching her son walking down, being arrested, being whipped and beaten, and then having to carry his own cross all the way up to Calvary, where Roman soldiers then strapped him to a cross and put nails through his hands and feet. What was Mary experiencing? It would seem like loss. Standing there feeling helpless, wanting to relieve her son, her child, of this pain and suffering. Not quite understanding the brutal murder of her son. Remember a few weeks ago in Mark, we were in Mark chapter 3, verse 20 through 25. This was recalling earlier in Jesus' ministry. 
And Jesus' mother um, got worried about Jesus. You see, Jesus was stirring up some stuff. He was stirring up controversy and hostility because what he was preaching was so provocative to the culture around them. And many people wanted Jesus dead. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, took her family and went to forcefully seize Jesus to bring him back, to rescue him from his pending danger. Like, this is what parents do, right? They want to look out for the well-being of their child. They want to keep their kids from danger. But we see in this text, Mary's, Mary's worst fears are realized here on the cross. Can we pull that slide up? You see, here standing by the cross, weeping at the loss. Mary's not sure what God's plan is here. All she knows is the child she raised is now hanging, bleeding out brutally, suffering on the cross. And what this exposes in Mary, in mothers, in fathers, in all people who have trusted in Jesus, is that we are ambassadors, not owners, even of our children. You see, the moment of Jesus' crucifixion where Mary had to look upon Jesus, the sheer reality that she had any control over God's plans for Jesus was brought full to light. She had no control. It was the Lord's plans, not hers. And what we have to face today is that we are not owners of our children. The Lord is. That might be a reality for us. So remember when I had to first wrestle with that, that my children that I'm raising, they're not my, they're not my property. They're his. see, we are ambassadors of God's children. We're ambassadors of raising little image bearers of God. God has entrusted, this is a big thing, a big reality I think we need to really grasp on. God has entrusted us with raising his children. This is one of our greatest jobs given to us to shepherd, lead, and tend to God's children. What greater privilege in this life is to care for God's child? See, our children are not an inconvenience. Our children are not a burden. 
And if you're a mother or father in the room today, our highest priority is to raise your children well in, in the way of the Lord. Because God has handpicked you as their parent. God has handpicked you to give this specific human soul under your care. See, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We are to raise up God-centered, God-fearing, and God-loving children. You see, an ambassador understands that they have no ownership. But they represent the owner. You see, when an ambassador is sent out, they represent the country they come from. Not their own agendas. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now this is a noble task, a noble job, not just directed at mothers, not directed at just fathers, but directed at every single one of us, that we are ambassadors of God's kingdom to the children around the world, to implore others on Christ's, behalf, on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. You see, when we are not representing God's kingdom, we're representing our kingdom. And when we represent our kingdom, this bleeds out. This bleeds out to our children and those around us whose kingdom we represent. So I want you to think about it this way. Um, if we feel like there's an infringement on uh, what we want or how we think things should go, we'll always see everything as loss. But if we see that it's not our kingdom, then our hope is found in Christ and his kingdom. And there's a few applications I want to talk about here. The first one is, if we are representing our kingdom, we may be putting our identity in a title or ourselves. You see, culture has put very unrealistic expectations on all of us, on what successfulness looks like, what a good mother looks like, what a good father looks like, what a good human being looks like. And what can happen is we'll view parenthood or this job and we'll determine that perfection is how we find successfulness or success in our parenting or in our job or in being a father. And we find identity in this. And when we put these high expectations on us or others, 
and it fails because guess what? No one's perfect. We're going to see or we're going to feel at the end of the day that we're at loss, that we're not perfect because we can't meet those expectations. It will always feel as a loss. We'll always feel like at the end of the day, I wasn't the best husband or I wasn't the best mother or I wasn't the best worker. I wasn't the best whatever. You could put a name to it. So we have a definitely a huge fallen condition here, a sinful condition. And we constantly strive for perfection. You know what that is? It's our constant drive to be like God. We want to be like God, perfect, but we can't. We fail. And what happens is when we have these high expectations on ourselves or we project it on others is that at the end of the day, we'll just feel an extreme feeling of shame, loss, and guilt. And what happens from that, what breeds from that, the fruit that comes from that is self-condemnation. You condemn yourself because you can never achieve perfection. But what we have to remind ourselves is when we try to identify ourselves with the title, right? I'm a mother first. I'm a father first. I'm a brother's first. I'm a sister first. Whatever the title is, I'm a worker first. I'm a cop. I'm a... That can become an idol in our lives. What we have to remember is that We are a child of God first. Before we're a mother, before we're a father, before we're an employee, before we're a worker, we're a child of God first. You see, our identity solely rests on Jesus and the outflow of his love. And that outflow of his love and our identity in Jesus, what that produces in us is a representation of who God is and the kingdom that's coming, that comes through us. And I feel like, I know if I've experienced it, but I'm sorry um, that if you've ever gone to a church body before, and felt like you were being called to perfection. You see, the church's job isn't to call you to perfection. The church's job, the people within the church, is to call you to obedience in Christ, not perfection. And there's a big difference. You see, perfection is trying to earn salvation. Perfection is trying to get somewhere where you can't get on your own without Christ. You cannot be Jesus. Only Jesus can be Jesus. And see, an obedience is following uh, Jesus out of love, knowing that he's the one that does the change in our lives. Uh, Another application here for us today 
is parents, mothers, fathers, be careful to not project perfection onto your children. Be careful not to project perfection onto your children. See, they are not trying to earn your love. And what can happen is when we have these unrealistic expectations, we push them down onto our children. You see, we are called to love them, to raise them diligently in obedience to display Jesus's love in words and actions to our children. You know, I hate this saying, and I, you've probably heard this before. Um, don't do as I do, do as I say. That is hypocrisy lived out with your children. I'm guilty. <laughs> we all are. Don't do as I say. Or no, wait, what did I say? <laughs> yeah, don't do as I do, do as I say, right? How is that living out a gospel life? How's that living out being an ambassador for Christ? Now, there's a um, statistic out there that says, uh, children raised up in the church, in the American church, uh, 75% of them abandoned the faith. Why is that? I, I read that and I'm like, oh my goodness, why in the world is that? And the studies show, this is from League and Air Ministries, you can look this up, but the studies showed as they were discussing and talking with some of these kids was that their parents would teach a truth about God, but completely live the opposite way. They'd live in hypocrisy. They'd literally live this out. Do as I do, not as I say. Or do as I say. I keep mixing that. Dyslexia is coming out right now. <laughs> you guys know what I mean. There's a, there's a true reality there. And it's daunting. For any of us in here that has children, that's a scary thought. And my question after reading this article is like, how do I avoid this? How, do, how the heck do I avoid? I want my children to love the Lord. How do I avoid them just rejecting God altogether because they see the hypocrisy in me? Because the reality is the hypocrisy is in me. I, I can't help it. And my suggestion... Um, to you guys, and I feel like the Lord told me when I was like, oh my gosh, um, is live in humility. You live in humility. You bear it to your children. You say sorry often. You discuss things, your failures with them. Humility brings out a beauty of who Jesus is, and it is demonstrating the kingdom of God. So we don't find our identity in the title of motherhood or in the title of fatherhood. We find our identity in Christ. You see, we have this Mary Magdalene sitting by the cross as well. She's standing by Jesus 
she also is watching this awful crucifixion happening. But what we do know with Mary's story is that Jesus transformed Mary Magdalene. You see, many historians uh, believe that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. They believe that the city that she lived in was highly known for that. We also know that Mary Magdalene had many diseases. She had seven demons that were cast out of her. That's a pretty big deal. (laughs) And with all this happening with Mary Magdalene, society completely rejecting who she was, we have this religious leaders picking up stones to stone her to death. They wanted to kill her. She was an outcast. And then here we have Jesus that intervenes in this dramatic way. Comes to Mary in her brokenness, in her illness, and gives her a new identity. Jesus gives her a new mission. Jesus gives her a new hope. You see, her hope was not found in the rejection of perfection that was cast down on the religious leaders, but her hope was in the acceptance of Jesus Christ who loved her as she was. Jesus transformed her. You see, what does it mean to live in humility? It's to bear it all out. Just as Christ did on the cross. In Galatians 2, 20, uh, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live uh, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I should have just read that in the beginning of this morning and just walked off stage. That was enough. You see, I can only imagine what Mary was going through. Watching her Savior the one that transformed her identity, watching him be brutally tortured on the cross. I can only imagine what Mother Mary, the Virgin Mary, was feeling. You know, she's just as sinful as us. She's not a perfect human being. And she probably sat there staring at her son, crying out in agony, um, feeling like she failed as a mother as she looked upon the cross. It was truly a loss. She was truly experiencing this devastating loss staring at him. See, Mary was losing a child. And I wonder if we need to just address that loss in our own hearts today. I don't know if anyone in this room or online has lost a mother or lost a child or lost a loved one. There's a deep wound there. There's a deep wound and the loss is real. And sometimes we have to just embrace it. You see, this Mother's Day marks um, our, me and Christina's the anniversary, two-year anniversary of uh, me and Christina's miscarriage of the twins. Some of you guys have heard about this story. Um, and when that happened, it was devastating. 
Uh, it was right before we came to plant the church out here. And we felt angry. We felt sad. We felt burdened. We felt hurt. And we still feel the pain of it. Every Mother's Day, we're rem- we were, uh, are reminded of the pain. See, loss is a real thing, and we have to acknowledge the loss in our lives. But what helped me and Christina during that time was this body, this church. And what encourages me still to this day, even in the midst of our loss, experiencing that, is what this, the next text says. And in my second point, a family of many. Verse 26 through 27 says, And Jesus saw his mother and, set, and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby. And he said to his mother, Behold, or woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciples, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciples took her to his own home. You see, even in our loss, we have a family of many. You see, I'm not diminishing um, the loss here. I'm not even saying the loss is replaced. Your child or a mother, no one can be. Your mother, child, father, sister, brother can never be replaced. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying the, the loss is real. It might feel like loss, but our hope is at the cross. You see Jesus hanging there on the cross, his mother standing there, Jesus makes this declaration, this bold proclamation to his mother and the disciple and to us. You see, not only is this text exposing the reality of um, those that trust in Jesus as a family now, but in our suffering and in our loss, we mourn together as one family, united as mothers, brothers, sisters, fathers. You see, what this text reminds me, even in my loss, in Christina's loss, that we suffer together. We don't have to mourn alone. You see, Romans twelve fifteen says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You see, Mary's loss was real. My loss was real. And maybe you have a loss. It's real. But you don't have to suffer and go at it alone. See, and we see this demonstrated with Jesus where he adopts us into the family. We have a family of many now. You see in um, Ephesians 2.19, it says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We've been brought into the family together. See, God has a heart for the lost. God has a heart for the broken. He has a heart for those that mourn. And just like Mary Magdalene and everything we've been going through, Mark, 
We've seen Jesus go after the broken, the lost, the leopards, the, parato- the paraplegic, the outcast, the mourning, the fatherless, the motherless, the orphans, the widows. We're being brought into the household of God. Remember in Mark, um, Jesus says this, who are my mothers and my brothers? And looking about at those that sat around him, he said, here are my mothers, uh, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. This is the best thing about, one of the, beautiful things about the gospel is that if you are alone, if you are in mourning, or if you are sick, or if you are in any kind of pain, we have a brotherhood, a sisterhood that has been developed and made through Christ's blood that binds us so strongly together. Let's do an exercise. Look to your right and look to your left. Uh, I know you guys are like, oh, I don't want to. Oh, I don't want to. Those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. That you've been adopted because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That's a beautiful thing. It makes loss, though painful, beautiful towards the end because our hope is at the cross Jesus adopted us into the family Charles Spurgeon says this who is to have authority in the matter of gracious adoption the children of wrath surely not and yet all men are such no It stands to reason, to common sense, that none but the parent can have the discretion to adopt. The beautiful thing is this. God did not choose, or uh, we did not choose God. He chose us to be his children. Ephesians 1, 4 through 7 says this, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption uh, to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of the glorious grace uh, with which he uh, has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through the blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. You see, it may seem like loss, but our hope is at the cross. You see, this should encourage us. It should encourage those that have felt rejected. It should encourage us that have felt like they've had no family. By Jesus, we have a family. It should encourage those that are mourning because we don't have to mourn alone. We mourn with each other. We lift each other up and we point each other to Christ. It should encourage us that we don't have to be perfect. 
and perfection is not attainable for us. But only by Jesus Christ we are made righteous through his sacrifice. And there's a couple application points here I want us to go over. The first thing that we're being called to is to engage. Okay? We're called to engage the family God has given you. I'm not saying not just your family, not just your immediate family, but engage the family that God has given you. And the second thing is be known. See, we're called to be in humility. If you're suffering alone, well, you'll be suffering alone. See, being known means to express your story. Know that God has divinely placed your story specifically for you. He's placed my story specifically for me. To be known is to share your stories. Did you know that your story is not your own? And your story is meant to be shared with others? Even in the brokenness, even in the loss, even in the pain. Because I guarantee you that you have a brother and sister in here that has experienced the same thing and that can walk with you. Don't isolate yourself and be known. And be a part of the family. Kind of right off the same thing, but... I wouldn't be a pastor if I didn't say this. Go to church. Be a part of the family. Get connected. There are no lone Christians. It doesn't happen. And if you are isolated and you are alone, it's going to be suffering. Because you're doing it by yourself. And Christ has called you to be a connected and a part of the body. And then the, th- the fourth thing is accept the invitation that's been given here. Here's the thing. If we're not in Christ, at the end of our days, we are alone. If we are not in Christ, there has to be a punishment for sin. And if that punishment is not put on Christ, you have to stand before them the holy God, and take that upon yourself. You see, none of us deserve this grace and mercy that God has given us. None of us deserve Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We're all rebellious sinners. Jesus didn't deserve to hang on the cross. We deserve that punishment. We're the ones that cause treason against the holy God. We deserve the wrath. And it might feel like loss, but there is hope here at the cross. You see, because the next text shows us the beautiful reality of Jesus' finished work. And I'll end with my third point won't be as long, but it is finished. It is finished. It says in verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all uh, was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. 
So they put the sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Then Jesus had received the sour wine. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. We put that slide up again. It's the only slide we're putting up today. See, because of Jesus, we who were lost are now found. Because of Jesus, we who were once enemies are now called friends. The punishment did not have to bear on our shoulders, it was on his. And because of Jesus' um, sacrifice on the cross, our identity has been transformed. You see, we've been given a new mission as ambassadors. We're not, this is not our kingdom. It's his that's coming. We're ambassadors for Christ. You see, Jesus gave us a new family and a new hope. And when Jesus says it's finished, it is finished. There's no work that can be added. And I wonder how many of us, mothers in the room, first, I wonder how many of you need to hear that it is finished. Being a parent is tough. Have a thousand tasks throughout the day. To get finished at the end of the day, it never feels finished. I wonder if we have more days that feel like loss than feel like accomplishments. Remember, moms, you cannot be perfect. Remember that if you're putting this perfection on you, the day will always feel like loss. Sometimes there's just rest that needs to happen with you guys, with moms. I'm talking about you moms. Dads, come on. Anyways. <laughs> just kidding. All of us, at the end of the day, I think this is the thing that unites us all together, mothers, fathers, anyone in this room, is that we live in a world that constantly pushes back and we live in a world that puts expectations that we cannot meet. And at the end of the day, we wrestle with loss and feeling like we didn't achieve anything. And what Jesus is saying here, the great and glorious news is he's saying, it's finished. You can rest. You don't have to be perfect. Jesus is saying, be or do your best, yes, in being a parent. Do your best. But perfection's never been the option. It's never been something that you can achieve. So everyone in the room, we can rest. The work is finished. Jesus has accomplished it. Perfection's not attainable. Only in trusting in Jesus Christ. You see, it might feel like loss, but our hope 
is at the cross. When we feel like lost at the end of the day, remind yourself that you're victorious in Christ. You're victorious in Christ. Colossians 3, and I'll end with this. Colossians uh, chapter 3, 2 through 3 says this. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we uh, praise your name, Lord. Um, Lord, meet us in our brokenness, in our striving for perfection. Uh, Lord, meet us in that sin, Lord. Uh, Lord, we repent that we try to be perfect in everything. Lord, help us turn our eyes towards you, knowing that we can rest, that you have a finished uh Your work has been done and has been finished. Lord, meet um, every mom today that has been struggling with motherhood, struggling with decisions, struggling with, I meant homeschooling's a thing now. Lord, I just pray that you meet every one of us. The concerns, the worries, the pains. Uh, Meet your daughters today, Lord. Soften their hearts today, Lord. Remind them that they are cherished, that they are good mothers, that they love well. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for this glorious day. We say all these things in your amazing name. Amen.